this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the New Books Network channel. This is Daniela Gutierrez, your host in the New Books on Food channel. And today I'm really happy to have here Lindsay Gardner with us, who will be talking to us about her new book entitled Why We Cook Women on Food, Identity, and Connection. Thank you so much, Lindsay. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. Okay, so um, to begin, I would like to ask just if you could tell us a little more about um, yourself and in general, how did this book come to be, where your ideas um, came from that eventually materialized in this beautiful book? Uh, thank you for that. Um, absolutely. I am an artist and illustrator primarily, and uh, I'm also a mom. And I have two. I have two daughters. They're five years old and eight years old right now. Um, the idea for why we cook really started to uh, take root in me in 2018. Um, I've always loved to cook and been interested in food. Uh, but I was at that time thinking a lot about my relationship to cooking and how my relationship to cooking had changed after I had become a mother, um, you know, spending more time in the kitchen every day, uh, cooking for other humans, um, <laughs> trying to think deeply about why I cared so much about food and uh, the traditions and knowledge base that I was sort of passing down to my daughter's. Um, I also was thinking a lot at the time about how my art practice overlapped with my interest in cooking and sort of how the two processes were similar or different in different ways. And uh, what happens usually when I have a sort of thought process like that is I end up taking the thoughts and questions that I'm mulling over into my studio to try to figure them out or work on them. Um, so of course, in this scenario, uh, I found myself, you know, thinking a lot while I was cooking and then taking those thoughts into the studio and painting. And um, eventually the two things sort of merged together. And I started reaching out to women in my life about um, some of the topics I was thinking about, like how women balance so many dif different things in their life. You know, I was at the time I, w I um, was a freelance illustrator. I had two young kids you know, balancing cooking and domestic responsibility with career ambitions and raising children um, with all of the other things in life. So I was thinking about those things and then also sort of the art form of cooking uh, and the meaning that it imbues in our everyday lives. Um, so I started talking to other women about that. And the idea really started to blossom from the standpoint of, you know, women's stories over time in cooking haven't been told in the same way as their male counterparts. Um, I, for one, not being part of the culinary world, was really interested in exploring women's perspectives on cooking and food, both from the home cook's angle, which was my angle, and then also from uh, all of the other women working in the culinary fields, food writing, uh, you know, chefs, recipe developers, um, different forms of media. 
And I really, in this process, I started thinking, well, why isn't there a book <laughs> where all of these women's voices are represented? I really want to turn to a book right now that that uh, investigates and explores women's stories in the culinary landscape. And there just wasn't a book like that. Um, I also was loving thinking about food and my art practice, it, excuse me, and so it was really sort of a merging of those two things where I was like, I want this book to be a, a thing in the world. And I also want to make the art to go with it. And so that was really the seed of the idea. Mm -hmm. Well, so for our listeners, this is a book that um, compiles essays, interviews, recipes, um, statistics, quotes with your beautiful illustrations, both of the food and the women. Um, and it includes over more than a hundred women, right? And I think one of the things that struck me first is that your, the book is called Why We Cook, and yet it not only includes cooks. So I thought that was very interesting that um, cooking is so much more than just putting some um, ingredients together. It's also... Um, growing the food. It's also developing recipes or fighting for food justice. So I just wanted to ask you about there's uh, the selection of wonderful women and how did you come about to um, selecting them and reaching out to them um, to participate in your book? Absolutely. Yeah. So there are, like you said, there are 112 women in the professional culinary landscape featured in the book um, in a variety of different kinds of content, essays, um, reflections on memorable meals. Uh, there's 11 recipes in the book, etc. And when I started working on the book in 2018, I was lucky enough to be living in the Bay Area, um, which was my home until very recently for about 17 years. And The Bay Area, um, as I'm sure you know, uh, is just such a, a completely wonderful place for food and um, creativity in the culinary world. There is just so much happening there. And so I really, at the time that I was starting to work on the idea, benefited from just being immersed in a community of women that were and are doing incredible things. Um, and that was really where a lot of my research started. So at the time, I had the the pleasure of getting to go to an event that was um, an, an annual event that is put on by La Cocina, which is an incredible organization that supports low income food uh, excuse me low income food entrepreneurs in the Bay Area, um, and they do this event every year called uh, Food and Beverage Voices in the Kitchen. And so I heard a couple of people speak at that event or rather read, read their writing at that event that really inspired me. And a few of them are in the book now, are in Why We Cook. Um, Osai Yendelin is one of them. Uh, another friend of mine is um, Bonnie Sui, who wrote an essay for Why We Cook. And through these sort of, um, you know, personal friendships and also the networks that were at play in the Bay Area at the time, I started to sort of um, blossom my network as I was doing research. And so it was a really wonderful combination of sort of people generously putting me in touch with other people that they thought might be interested in talking to me about what I was in, looking into. And then also just straight up cold calling um different people all over the country and the world who I was interested in. And I really found that one of the most exciting and fulfilling parts of this project was actually that uh, outreach. And um, I think part of it is because I'm not part of the culinary world. I'm not a food writer. Um, you know, my, my main background is art and uh, literature. And so um, I think that Maybe on the other end, and I don't know this for sure, but, you know, for people who were on the receiving end of my calls and emails, um, there was a curiosity on their part also, because I am not the typical uh, food writer that would be reaching out to them about featuring a recipe in a book or whatnot. So um, I really kind of went about it 
from the standpoint of overlapping creative processes. And it was important to me from the very beginning to feature as wide a range of women working in the industry and around the industry as possible. Um, and for me, just uh, again, like not being part of that world, that automatically included the people who form uh, our opinions and thoughts um, and knowledge base as home cooks in the in the industry. So that would of course include um, food justice activists, food writers, cookbook authors, as well as chefs and restaurateurs. Um, I really wanted to represent the complete picture. Um, and I also, it was very important to me to include the voices of home cooks who are also represented in the book, um, because of course that was my perspective on cooking. And so what was really exciting was to see sort of all these various perspectives start to overlap in the book and how many, as you said, how many topics sort of are threaded through the book in a very organic way uh, because food and cooking is a place that everyone can connect to from a different perspective, but with many overlapping ideas um, at the same time. So, uh, you know, there are themes that come up in the book that uh, talk about immigration, for example, or motherhood or um, environment or the idea of home. Those are all things that sort of naturally and organically came out of the process of talking with people. Um, the research process was often like I would go back and forth with one of the contributors and we would sort of get to know each other in a conversation and toss around a few ideas and then they would go away and think about it and then they'd come back. And so it really felt um, very organic from start to finish. And I think one of the most exciting things about being at this point, you know, now with the book as a finished object that people can hold in their hands and flip through um, is that I feel like this conversation just keeps going, that there are so many more women doing incredible work all over the world that, you know, it's sort of like there could just be like endless volumes of this book that, um, and that I think for me, being being involved in it from the beginning is really satisfying knowing that this this is an incredible group of women compiled in this book and there are also so many more women doing this work so um it could have i could have just kept going yeah no i really um liked as you said um that you tried to have a complete picture of course um one can never have it but i think your the book does such a great job in casting a very wide net that includes so so many women from very different backgrounds. And I was um, very pleasantly surprised at the amazingly diverse array of voices that are represented in, in your book, because as you mentioned, um, the stories and uh, lives of male chefs are have been recorded um, more than female um, cooks and chefs. Um, but even more so, like we have um, female chefs, I don't know, like Julia Child or that are part of a more elite um, context uh, who are frequently white. Um, and here you have women of all over the world and no different ethnic um, backgrounds that I think really enrich the perspectives of what cooking means for different people in different um, parts of the world and different even uh, moments in their lives. Yes, that was, um, thank you for, for pointing that out. It, it was extremely important to me from the beginning because, um, you know, going through the, the process of, of writing a proposal and then, you know, finding a publisher and selling, selling the book. Um, it was really interesting actually kind of casting around and, and, hearing the feedback from various publishers in terms of how they uh, conceived of what this book could look like. And it was something that I cared about deeply from the beginning was, was that this, I didn't want the book just to feature the more well-known names in food and um, in the culinary industry. I also wanted to really find and highlight and shine a spotlight on the stories that don't often get represented in food media um, 
And so that was a huge part of my research. Also, when I started digging into a lot of the uh, the stories that were out there at the time, um, that was it was right after the Me Too movement had sort of shaken the food industry in 2017. Um, and also, the more statistics that I read that were out there, the more I got really like pretty fired up about this idea. And that that was yeah, like you know, right at the beginning, I learned that women represent almost 50% of food industry jobs, but they only hold something like, I think the statistic is 23 or 24% of head chefs and head cook positions. And that percentage is even lower for women of color and LGBTQ. So, you know, just that alone, there, women have always been part of the story for as old as time. And women of color have also been part of the story forever. Are, it's just that the stories haven't been featured. And so, um, or to the same extent, I should say. So, um, so that was, I, I felt very passionate about that from the beginning and, and, you know, fortunate that in the era and the time that we're living in, that technology made it possible to be in touch with so many people all over the place. You know, I had the honor of talking with Jeff Anna Ross in Slovenia. And then I also had, you know, the opportunity to, to interview Leah Penniman in upstate New York, all from California. So, um, so being able to connect with people in different formats all over the, the world was really also really important. Yeah. And I, I like that you mentioned now, historically, there's been a distinction between like the male professional chef and the homey, cozy, good cook, but not artistic enough um, female, right? Um, and your book just presents, um, even through our, your illustrations, like all the different facets of the work of women in, in food. Um, I, I wanted to ask you about uh, your process in, in writing and researching and editing and organizing this book, because it's really its content is very unique. One would think um, when you have it in your hands, like beautiful hardcover and the illustrations, that it's a, a cookbook. And it's, it is kind of a cookbook, but it's more than that, right? There's a lot of st storytelling and, as you mentioned, statistics and very rigorous research around um, the topic of, of women and food. So can you just... Tell our listeners about um, how you chose these for this format, um, these different types of writing. You have longer essays, um, you have recipes, shorter participations. So just in general, um, your creative process in the writing of the book. Yeah, um, for sure. Uh, so one of the great parts of <laughs> writing and illustrating a book. And this is my first book that I've written and illustrated. I've illustrated other books, but not done both. Um, so I really, it was a really big learning curve for me also. But what I learned through the process is the great benefit of being in the position of doing both things, because it really was a blank slate that I got to create. And that was really exciting, I think, because the way that I conceived about the book was from this multiple perspective, sort of kaleidoscopic uh, perspective. And I wanted art, my art to be a huge part of the book from the beginning. So I wanted every page to have illustration. I wanted it to be, um, you know, somewhat equal weight from a design perspective on the words and the art, because to me, illustration is so related to storytelling. And that was a big part of my perspective going into it. You know, there are so many food books and cookbooks that are, um, are illustrated with photography, which is also beautiful. I love photography, but uh, there's a different feeling about illustration um, that was really important to me to really emphasize from the beginning. And so, um, you know, thinking about how we structured the book, um, I really worked hard with my editor to basically create a 
jigsaw puzzle for this book that um, if you can imagine this, we had a map with all the different pieces and content pieces uh, that as a for a reader, you could open the book at any point and sort of dive in from that place. Not that you would have to, you wouldn't have to read it linearly from start to finish, but that, you know, you could read one essay at the end and a recipe at the beginning and it would all still sort of flow. Um, yeah, like a cookbook, so, sense, right? Then you can open up and... Exactly. Yeah. So I've heard, it's funny now that it's been out for um, a month and a half, I've heard from people who sit down with it actually like at lunchtime and they'll sort of read mm -hmm. one essay while they eat or... I have friends who tell me that they read a little bit every evening before they go to sleep. And I love that. I love that you can sort of um, take it in small, in small pieces a little at a time. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I also um, worked really closely with my designer at Workman to uh, sort of move the various puzzle pieces around in, in the design. And um this is another benefit of being in the position of writing and illustrating was before I, so I designed the, we designed the book together um, with all of my sketches. And so I finished the manuscript, got all of the, the contributors, um, various contributions around oh, November of 2019. And by that point I had done sketches of every illustration in the book. So the designer, her name is Sarah Smith. She was great from Workmen, and she took all of my sketches and all of the all of the written content and started laying everything out in batches so that we could sort of nail the design. So that by the time I would move on to working on the final illustrations, I had a I had a great sense of exactly where the illustration was going to go on the page. I would know if I you know what, if it was going to bleed off one side or. Um, be a small spot. I knew I had a real vision for for what it was going to be like, so that when I sat down to do the final final painting, um, I really had a clear sense of what where I was going. Um, and it was actually great because by the time I started the final paintings for the book, we had just gone into lockdown for the pandemic uh, oh, in wow. California. So what's the final um, painting? Sorry, what was that? What's the final painting? Oh. Um, I mean, all of the final, you know, like the full color paintings oh, okay. in the book, that was all done um, from March of 2020 on, basically. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Yeah, I wanted to ask you, um, it's so interesting that you as an outsider, you know, you talk about how you're connected with the kitchen, like sort of like a an analogous task of putting together colors and flavors. Um, one can mm -hmm. cook only with colors, right? Like, oh no, this this salad needs something red, and you add tomatoes. Um, and so, I wanted to ask. Um, you mentioned photography, and it's true that so many um, cookbooks choose photography um, to illustrate, um, and not only cookbooks, right? Food memoirs or food writing in general. So, what do you think mm -hmm. your your art your illustrations and correct me if I'm wrong they're watercolor yeah they're watercolor sometimes a little bit of gouache but mostly mm -hmm. watercolor so what, what do you think this your particular like artistic view and specifically watercolor painting brings <laughs> to the table so to speak mm -hmm. um, that <laughs> other media doesn't like photography or how is it different yeah I mean I think First of all, I should say that I also love photographed books. I, I pour over them um, in much the same way. But I do think that, um, you know, in my perspective, I think illustration lends a very personal feel. Um, like I said, I think that, you know, illustration historically has been used for storytelling. And 
that really was a, a big part of my approach to this book. You know, every person that's included, it was important to me that their voice really comes through. And, um, and so for me to bring my illustrations to it felt like a very pure way of honoring their stories, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, it was sort of my way of, of processing whatever they had shared with me and um, getting to know their stories in sort of a very small, intimate kind of way where I was like literally trying to, to think through what they had shared or written and imagine myself in that scenario. Um, so yeah, it was really, for me, it was really about honoring their stories and and then sharing that in a visual way. Um, and I think at the heart of that for me is sort of like a relationship of empathy and understanding that, you know, every small part of these moments are worth sort of um, savoring in a visual way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and And I think that that, that's really what it was about for me. It was like these small moments or big moments that people described um, sort of calling attention to what makes parts of our everyday life really special. Yeah. I, when I was um, browsing through the illustrations, specifically the, the food illustrations, it's sort of um, the art brings out like the, the more artistic colorful aesthetic part of food whereas maybe a picture um is more referential right and an illustration evokes a completely different reaction from from the spectator or the reader well it's interesting yeah that's a good point it's interesting because when i i was just thinking about this i was flipping through another another cookbook and the, the photography in cookbooks are is always so beautiful and there's something so um aspirational about that impulse that we have when we look through cookbooks and we see these like just gorgeous photographs and it, that makes that isn't that is an inspiration or it can be an inspiration for wanting mm-hmm. to try a recipe um but i think that uh when i was say like um you know trying to recreate a, a food image in illustration i'm thinking of maybe like there's a one that I illustrated for Leticia Landa from La Cocina, actually. And for me, it was really more about thinking, you know, thinking about the relationship of those elements of a composition, like color mm-hmm. and shape and texture, um, and looking for those things in in the image that I was creating and in representing the food that was described in words. Um, and so that is a kind of an innately different uh, yeah. perspective on representing food visually. Yeah, no, they they make you hungry. And also when you want to put them on your wall, <laughs> you have both, <laughs> ah, both of those you. reactions. <laughs> um, That's really sweet. Thank you. I wanted to ask about your, your process as an artist, um, like, did you work with photographs and then like translated them with um, the watercolor technique or did you in some cases work with the food itself or how how did that work for you as an artist? It was a combination of both. Um, so when I was in touch with the, with the contributors, I would ask them for any reference material that they felt was relevant to whatever they had written or shared with me. So um since we are, since I just mentioned Leticia Landa, she comes to mind. She's the the executive or the the co-director of La Cocina in San Francisco, and um, she wrote this essay about her parents' immigration story from Mexico and how it relates to the work that she's doing now. And in that, it it she she talks about a recipe for albondigas, and she also mm-hmm. mentioned some of the textiles that she had inherited when we were talking. And so I asked her for the photograph of those textiles that um, she mentioned. So she sent me some snapshots and that was pretty much it. And then I sort of took the pieces that she had written about and incorporated illustrations of those textiles in the final illustration. So it was a combination of sort of like looking at images of boiled eggs, you know, (laughs) on Google or whatever. And then 
um, using her snapshot materials and then imagining a scene sort of on my countertops. Um, so that's one example. And then, you know, on the other end of the spectrum, I was working on portraits of, um, of different uh, women in, in their kitchens. <clears throat> that's a, another strain of content through the book. And those I worked really directly from the photographs um, and was in touch actually with most of, I think all of the photographers, um, the source material for those photographs, which was also really fun. Um, so it really kind of ran the gamut, but photography is a big part of my source imagery for sure. I just work in different ways with it. You know, sometimes I'll set something up on my own countertop to get the right angle that I want to look at or, um, or pull from a variety of source material to, to paint one thing. Mm -hmm. And is there a specific reason that you focus on watercolor in this case, or? Um, I've been working on with, with watercolor as a medium since I finished my MFA in painting um, in 2010. Um, I, I love watercolor because it is so direct and I can set up what I need with relatively few materials, um, it, it just feels like a really sort of, yeah, I mean, I guess direct is the best word for me. Um, mm -hmm. And I also really love, there's this delicate balance with watercolor where you have a lot of control over the medium and then, and then you also don't in a certain way because, uh, because the water might dry faster on a, on a very hot day um, or, you know, it might, run in a direction in a small part of the painting. Um, I just love the element of water being part of these paintings. And I've always loved that about the medium. Mm -hmm. um, well, so now, now that think, you say, yeah. um, sorry, it feels very organic, right? The illustrations. Mm -hmm. And in that sense is your description of working with watercolor, the, the sort of uncertainty of the final result is, it's similar to cooking, right? You you have to play with it <laughs> yeah. and, and kind of let yourself go and let the ingredients guide you. And sometimes, you know, you end up with something that's completely different. And there is something about the illustrations that really kind of communicates that to the reader, I think. That's such a great point. Yeah, I, I love that analogy. And I think um, you're absolutely right in that you know, there is also sort of this layering um, that I do yeah. with the paint where I sort of make a move and then wait. And there is a certain amount of patience that comes with being with working in any in any art form, but especially in watercolor, because I have to let each layer dry before I can add more color or more saturation. Mm -hmm. And so um, it is a little bit like putting an ingredient in, stopping and tasting it letting it do its thing yeah. whether it's like steering or simmering and then you know adding a little something it's very um yeah it is a very organic natural process and I think it involves sort well, of being I, able to slow down and really mm -hmm. like get into your senses you know yeah yeah absolutely no they're they really complement the the texts um I mean they complement each other very very beautifully um I, I also wanted to ask uh, if if you can share with our listeners um, some of your favorite stories or anecdotes or profile from the women in the book that are uh, your favorite or that particularly struck you when you were doing when you were putting together the book. Yeah, you know, two that come to mind. Um, one one of the the most sort of interesting and. Uh, I mean, they're all interesting, but one of the most fascinating threads that sort of revealed itself through uh, various contributors' stories that I wasn't expecting was this sort of um, connection to immigration and the idea of home and what home means. And many contributors have parts of what they wrote that touch on that, but two that come to mind uh, are are food writer and recipe developer, Yawande Komolafe, um, and then also Minara Begum and Emily Stogatis of Bandu Gardens in Detroit. Um, and Yawande wrote an essay about her own immigration story to the U.S. Um, 
and which was fairly fraught. Um, and she was unable to travel back to Nigeria, which is where she uh, was from originally, uh, for about two decades. So what she wrote in the book is a story about her first time being able to travel back to Nigeria after 20 years and the meal that she had with her family um, the first evening that she arrived. And that story has just consistently stuck with me and um, really has made me think about a lot of how I relate to the idea of home and how food can sort of transport us across oceans and through memory and um, and how we sort of tap into our sense of identity through exploring our food heritage. Um, so that's one. And then also ben Bendu Gardens, which um, is a really unique story about a community of Bangladeshi women who uh, created an organization um, to sort of work with the vegetables that they were all growing in their backyards and in urban Detroit and uh, the partnership and communities that has sort of resulted from working together to sort of take their vegetables and offer them to the restaurant community. Um, and it's really grown and blossomed into this whole movement of um, empowering women immigrant women in the Detroit area. Mm -hmm. So it's really amazing. I think like that's just one example of a theme that has kind of come up in multiple places from multiple perspectives um, about something that I, I don't even think I predicted would come out of doing this research or talking with people. Um, but of course, it's such an important part of the story about food. You know, everybody came from somewhere else in the United States at one point and uh and and i think in that way like in this political moment that we have been in especially in the last five years like definitely during the time that i was writing and researching the book um it felt so i don't know um, reassuring on a human level to be able to have these conversations with people um from so many different backgrounds at a time that was so uh upsetting in the United States and, and continues to be in many ways, um, mm. that food is a place that we can really come together to talk about our differences and our commonalities and that everyone has something to share in that department. Um, so yeah, that was a little bit of a sidebar, but, um, but definitely something that was really fulfilling that came out of the project for me. Yeah. And just the fact that uh, food is, political and that it can be a lot of these women in very different ways show how it can be a, a force for for social change no matter what the um the context or the reach they have right absolutely uh, absolutely yeah do you think you learned something as a as a home cook or as an artist while curating this book? Oh yes, so many things. Um, recipes, which is, yeah. In addition to the recipes, yeah, I think um, you know. I say this. I talk about this in the introduction to the book, which I wrote, of course, at the end of writing and researching the book, um, but. When I think back to where I was in 2018 and, and sort of what inspired me to actually try to do this project, um, it was really all about my, you know, if I'm going to distill it down, it was, it was a drive for my own sense of connection. And I was sort of, I think when I think back on it, I was sort of grappling to understand, like, how am I part of this? bigger framework. And I know that there's something that connects me to it, but what is it exactly? Um, and I think that what I've learned is that through all of these various perspectives of women that are shared in the book, that we do share so much connection and being in conversation with these women and learning their stories and learning so much about what I didn't know before put me in connection with them. And, um, and that's what I learned that I love about cooking is that cooking is 
the doorway to understanding and learning and trying new things and learning people's stories um, and and really investing in what that means. Um, and I think that's why at the end of the day, like when I think back about what I've learned, it's that I love the questions that are involved in cooking and I love um, the, the great potential for learning and empathy and connecting with other people that naturally is a part of doing it and engaging in the process. Um, and of course, I also learned a lot about what I love to do with painting and uh, how I love to collaborate with other people. And I love research and reading and, um, and I learned a lot about all of those things through the process. You said this um, project began in 2018, right? Yes. So obviously no no one was expecting a global pandemic to hit um, as it did last year. And But I was, you know, when, when the pandemic started and everybody was quarantining and restrictions were um, tougher on everybody, uh, everybody was cooking, right? Everybody was inside <laughs> and spending... I know I was like spending so much time in the kitchen, trying new things, calling, you know, my mom and my aunts to ask for things that I had never cooked, like to seek those connections in a, in a moment where we were literally so disconnected from, from the world, from everybody. Mm -hmm. Right. So how do you think, because I think the, the fact that it has been published now really brings a different dimension to all of these um, things that you're talking about, about connection and empathy and really um, comfort in, in the shape of food. Yes. So it's definitely something, as you said, I could never have predicted when I started out on the project. Um, but really, it's been pretty pretty great to see the book come to life in this moment um, in an odd way, because to me, the pandemic and um, the social uprisings that have happened in the face of so much tragedy and hardship in the last year and a half have almost strengthened the message of the book. Um, and that's another layer that I never could have predicted that, um, you know, I had this inkling that there was so much more to explore here and that these messages have just been, you know, strengthened by everything that's happened in the last mm -hmm. year. You know, women have left the workforce in staggering numbers. Um, you know, we've obviously like gone through a huge social movement with Black Lives Matter. Um, there's been so much about the restaurant industry that has been revealed right, yeah. through the pandemic um, for a lot of people who maybe didn't know about food systems and how they operated before. There's just been this sort of veil that's been, I think, hard to ignore for everyone. Um, so and even the, the link between the actual pandemic and the way our food, the way our food system works right now, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and I, you know, I consider myself, at least in the last few years, like fairly aware of what's going on in the food world through the research process. But even I was learning so much in the moment of the pandemic about where my food was coming from, literally, and the people that that was impacting and frontline workers who were responsible for harvesting the food that we eat every day. Mm -hmm. Um and just, I think there's just a level of things that uh, are easy to take for granted, to say it blunt, bluntly, every day in everyday life that that I think the pandemic has just really cast a light on in a different way. And I don't think, um, you know, I, I'm just speaking personally, like, I don't want that to go back to normal. I want to know about where my food is coming from and the people who are working so hard to be able to you know, put a fresh apple in my grocery cart. It It is, um, it's stuff that I'm glad that I know and mm -hmm. I think has changed me as a, as a home cook and as a consumer. 
Um, and I think that that has been a lot of people's experience on a sort of broad level. Um, I also think that you make a great point that, that there has been this new relationship to cooking that people have started to kind of, um, talk, talk a lot about more in the last few months is sort of like this oscillation between loving to cook in this moment and then having total burnout, um, which of course is totally natural. (laughs) And like all the many projects that people have started, like from, you know, sourdough starters starters. (laughs) (laughs) to, um, you know, preserves and whatnot. And I definitely had my fair share of those in the last year or two. But I think one thing that really has stuck out to me through all the home cooking in the last year especially is just sort of um the sense that it's there's no one way to be a home cook and Mm -hmm. I think that that is something that um that also has come through in my research process with the book is just talking with other women home cooks about what inspires them what they do when they get in a rut you know how many times they cook every week and just getting real honest perspectives about that, which isn't something you hear a lot in food media. Um, And I think that I have thought about that a lot in the last year, because like I said, like there have been times when I'm on a total streak and I want to make my own bread. And then there are times when I'm like, I can't cook another meal and that's okay. (laughs) And I I don't think that that would have been my perspective, you know, three years ago. I think that I've come to sort of learn about how, just like being an artist or being a writer, like there are phases of, of your life when, when you are really inspired and there are moments when you're just really not. And um, looking at cooking from that way has been liberating. Yeah, absolutely. I really, um, I have really appreciated one of the questions you have in, in the book uh, that you asked some of the women what do you eat or what do you cook when you don't want to cook anymore? Right. And some said, Oh, well I order in or like pasta. And I think, you know, I, I think I'd be embarrassed to even say in public what, why, what I eat um, when I don't want to cook anymore. (laughs) And, and such a big part, like you, you mentioned in the book that 90% of cooking um in this survey you you did is done by women right um that's Mm -hmm. a lot that's a lot of labor right it's it's a lot of physical exhaustion a lot of time on your feet for sure um so i really appreciated that you brought this this side of of like the cooking labor to the conversation that i think because we all love food and it's great um, tends to be a little bit forgotten that it's it's hard work. Yeah, and I think when you think about that in the context of the pandemic, you know, obviously the surveys, the home cook surveys that I did were done in 2019, so this was pre-pandemic. But if you took oh. that same <laughs> question and asked people now for the yeah. last year, you know, you'd get a whole different picture, and I think that you'd see a huge variety from people who's um, you know, who are sharing their cooking responsibilities probably more equally with their partners to not to having doubled down on the impact of that labor. Like when, when you're working from home and you're responsible for your children's education and you're also cooking all the meals. Um, And so, you know, there are, we, we haven't had the full range of options um, to go out for dinner when we're really tired or, or, go have dinner with a friend or whatever. And so, um, you know, that focus, I think could, it'd be really interesting to do a whole nother round of series of surveys about, about women and cooking through the pandemic, because it just has been, it hasn't been easy for everyone. And, and that's from, you know, my privileged perspective, I think then you can also look at the layers of all the different people who are impacted by the, the pandemic from, um, you know, health healthcare workers to frontline workers, and and thinking about how cooking is for them and their lives, um, and then also for women who are professionals in the culinary industry, you know, women chefs are also home cooks, and so yeah. um, thinking about how 
you know, the pandemic has sort of put another layer of exhaustion in that framework is another, that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Lindsay. This, this has been great to talk to you. I just wanted to ask one last question. Um, what are you, what are your next projects? What are you working on now or in the future? Well, I am loving having conversations about why we cook and um, it's been really satisfying and fulfilling to be able to continue some of the conversations that I've, I started with uh, the women contributors in the book um, in, you know, getting the book out there and talking with people um, now that it is out in the world. So I've been very busy with that and probably will be for some time, but that's been really great. And I'm also looking forward to getting back into my studio and painting because it's been um, it's been a, a big time and I'm, I really miss having the day-to-day uh, painting time. Um, I would also love to illustrate a cookbook. That's a goal on my horizon. So oh, I'm just going to put that out in the universe. <laughs> I would really <laughs> look forward to, to seeing that. Um, so can you just share with the listeners where can they reach you on social media or um, know more about you and your work? Yes. So you can find me on Instagram at, at Lindsay Gardner art and that's Lindsay with an F, excuse me. It's Lindsay with an A L I N D S A Y Gardner art. Uh, and you can also find the book at why we uh, or anywhere books are sold. Great. Perfect. Yeah. Everybody go and do that because it's truly um, a very beautiful book that, you know, brings brings tiny bits of joy in these um, hard times. So thank you so much, Lindsay, um, for joining us today. And take care. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to be here. <laughs>